Hymn 373, Seeking the Lost. Seeking the lost and pointing to Jesus, souls that are weak and hearts that are sore, leading them forth in ways of salvation, showing the path to life evermore. Hey Connected fam, how is you? I hope you are well and blessed and if not, just keep holding on, keep holding on. Um, so I wanted to talk about death today and probably more so it's eternity. I guess I'm doing a whole little series of topics that are a little bit more solemn in nature. There's been a few deaths, well actually there's been a few funerals that I have watched online. There are some people that within our community have passed away. As I've been thinking about death a lot. Um, but one real specific thing that has really kind of oh, cut a little close to home has been listening to people farewelling, if that's even a word, people saying farewell to loved ones who know are going to be in heaven. Like, you know what I mean? There's there's some people that when they've died, you kind of wonder, did they give their life to Christ? Maybe in their last breath, did they have that moment where they admitted, hey, I give my life to Christ. Where there's some thieves on the cross that in their last minutes of their life made a decision to follow Jesus. So there's people that die and you kind of are not sure but you have hope and peace that if they could have God would have used that opportunity for them to make that commitment and then you have other people oh I slept three hours last night so let me let me snap out of this then you have other people that you're like They are going to be walking through those pearly gates, no questions asked. They will be, you know, like, not that I ever really was big on clubs, but, you know, when they show that you go to the club and you've got to show the bouncer your ID and he lets you straight through, whatever. I'm like, there are some people that are going to be going straight through that gate, no questions asked. And a lot of the funerals that I've watched or a lot of the people that have passed away are those kind of people where... What everyone says about that person is like, you know, they were godly people. They lived for Jesus. They shared their faith. They replicated the life of Jesus. And so there's no, yeah, there's no question as to whether they're going to be coming up in the first or the second resurrection. And for me, with, I guess, the faith dynamics of my family and my loved ones, 
it's been really painful considering the idea that, you know what, like my family haven't given their life to Christ. My mom, my stepdad, my dad, my brother, his family, my nieces and nephews, like I don't know exactly where they are on their walk and what that kind of looks like. And I had this moment where I was, we were going, we we're going to close Sabbath and we we're going out to watch the sunset here in Mwollombar and just, because I feel like anywhere that you go in Mwollombar, you're going to have a stunning view. So we went to go and see the sunset and I don't know what happened. I don't know how the topic started, but I just remember saying to Stevie, I'm like, babe, the day my mom dies, like I'm going to be a mess. I have such a close bond with my mom. There's just such a deep love for her. And we're constantly in communication. So she's always ringing and wanting to see how the girls and what did the girls do today and how was the girls swimming carnival. And she's just so intentional about it being involved in our lives that I'm like, oh. The day that I know that she's not going to call me because she's died, oh, like, man, am I going to be a mess? And... There's been a few moments where I've had to face that reality of like, hey, what's going to happen when my parents die? More so for them, like I don't necessarily feel like, oh, if my brother dies or if something would happen to my niece and nephews or even to my daughters, like I don't even think about them. I think of my parents and then, you know, I have thoughts of like, oh, what if Stevie were to die and something were to happen and then I have to you know, be a widow and, oh. So anyway, I just feel like I've been thinking a lot about death. But it's been really painful thinking about death in the context of people who haven't accepted Christ. And just, you know, and and even if they've completely rejected them, like if they've actually opted out of salvation, And we would classify those people wicked because by definition, wicked is a complete turning away from God. It's a conscious decision to say no to Jesus, no to God, no to the idea of leaving a life that is guided by biblical principles and by the will of God. Like, facing that reality has been quite painful. And I think for me, as I've really thought about what that what death looks like in the context of my family, I see just how destructive it is. I see how, like, it would shake up my faith. I just see like the extent of the wound that death would leave behind and it's not pleasant. Yeah. 
And in working through all of that, in like processing the reality of my family and, you know, people that I know who I, I really care for and them just choosing to turn their back on God made me think of all the other people that have legit decided like, no, like we're not, we don't want that. We don't want that gift. We don't want to accept God. Like it's a heavy, heavy reality to sit with. And it just has. Okay, so there's one bit, there's one bit that I sit with with, and I'm sure most Christians who have family who profess to be not believers, or maybe they just not that interested or whatever. Like I don't know. I don't know because I've never been able to have the conversations with my rel- like my family and my relatives to kind of be like, hey, where are you with God? Like, do you consider the possibility? Do you not want that? Like, like I don't know where everyone is. So I'm saying this, making the assumption that people and my family don't want Jesus. <clears throat> which I could be totally wrong. Like I could be reading the whole situation wrong and I don't know where they are. God knows that. And thank you, Jesus, that God knows where they are and not me. Um, <clears throat> but there's one thing that sits with me and, you know, I have to be aware that like I'm probably taking on responsibilities and burdens that aren't on mine to carry. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, still feel like there's a duty and a responsibility that I might have completely dropped the ball on, which is, hey, have I not made Christianity attractive to the point where my family would be like, cat, like, let us be Jesus freaks like you. Like, I don't, I have sat with that and I have chatted with God about that. I'm like, God, did I, did I mess this up? Like after so long, And we have to be careful because at the end of the day, you know, when it comes to things like this, which is so, like, are so important in the life of a Christian to know that your family is saved. It's easy to want to take control and then to be like, yes, it's it's my role and I'm going to make being a Christian the most happiest, joyful experience and I'm going to express that and I'm going to live that out and everyone will want to be a Jesus follower like me, like we can remove God out of the equation by thinking it was we failed people. So I sit with that a little bit and then I also sit with the fact that, you know what, Catalina, there still has to be something way deeper to my experience that should draw my loved ones a little bit closer and maybe I failed them. Maybe I haven't. I don't know. So I sit on both sides. I tend to jump the fence depending on the day and depending on my <laughs> – depending on how much I've slept that day. Um, I tend to feel more uh, responsible than others. But that's one thing. I'm like, hey, I wonder what part of this I could have helped. Was there – could there – of being anything that I could could have done can still do differently so that my family would want God 
and there's things that yeah, I I could to- I totally feel like like I could do, I could change, I could improve. Um, and I think that where I'm sitting with that right now is just for my conscience sake. I want to do those things because I don't want to have. If I'm starting to have regrets now and they like are still around, I do not want to have regrets after they've died. So that has been a really good um, like moment to just be quite intentional about seeking insights about where I'm at with this, how I sit with this and what I can, what I feel I need to do differently so that I have a clear conscious conscience when the reality of death does visit my family. And then there's this, there's another bit of me that is kind of like, but God, I trust you. Like I trust that you are doing a greater work. Oh, than I could ever do. Like I'm trusting that in my lack of living out and being like a good witness to my family, I trust that you will make up for my shortcomings. I trust that, you know what, it's probably better for me to not be in control of this situation because I will stuff it up and I will make wrong calls and I will make mistakes. So thank you, Jesus that you're in the work of salvation. Um, so, yeah, so I sit with that and I'm okay with sitting with that. I'm at peace with sitting with that. But it still kind of hurts because I think at some point, I think my family is going to make a decision and I have to be okay with the fact that they may decide to completely abandon any desire to accept the gospel for what it is to live a life that's guided and led by Jesus and the fact that they may not want to live for eternity. Like they might not even want what heaven has to offer. It hurts. Like it hurts. And then to consider, you know, not that. Salvation is secured and, you know, once saved, always saved. But where I am right now in my faith journey, like I know that I am walking with the sincerest desire to do God's will. I'm constantly surrendering my stuff to him and really just rejoicing in God leading my life. So if I was to die... I truly trust that based on where I am today, like I will be there for the first resurrection. And the reality of that and accepting that, you know what, my family may not be there for that resurrection, considering heaven without my family has been quite painful, like, oh, like my neck just tenses up at the idea of it. And I don't know, like I trust obviously God in all of that. But I can't I can't 
say with certainty that I'm going to be okay with it. Like I am going to me- – like I don't know how it's going to work out in heaven. Like um, there's things we just don't know. Like there's just things we don't know. But ah, uh, I can't help but think that I am going to miss my family even if it's for a second. The moment I realised that they they died and chose not to to accept – salvation I can guarantee you I'm gonna cry even in heaven like even in that glorious morning when Jesus comes to take us all home yeah it's gonna be hard it's gonna be really hard and so as, I, as I've reflected on all of that and, you know, as there's things that I'm like, oh, maybe if I just had done this differently and maybe maybe if I did more, like, all these things, I'm like, if we could get a second round at witnessing to the people most closest to us, to the people that we most want to have in heaven, like, what would we do different? What would I do differently? And There's a few things that I've thought about. Um, I don't really want to share them right now, but there's been a few things where honestly I've kind of been like, yeah, if if I had done this like this and that like that and maybe they wouldn't be like so defensive about my faith. Maybe they wouldn't harden their hearts because of the way I kind of shared my faith early on and maybe if my change hadn't have been so drastic, maybe if I had stayed closer to the middle and been more balanced about things, maybe there wouldn't have been so much resistance and pushback and almost disgust to Christianity. And Yeah, and just that, that idea of just reflecting on what I would have done differently has really made me... Um, it's given me peace but also it's like I feel more encouraged and empowered that like I'll do things better first time around with people but in saying all of that I think the heaviest conviction that I have is like oh we need to tell more people about Jesus There are so many people who are perishing and have no idea on what they're missing out on. Like either no one has shared the good news with them or maybe people have shared it with them but it was kind of like me and they were kind of a bit too extreme, a bit too over the top, a bit too zealous Um, and they're actually doing more of a disservice to the gospel than a blessing. But I just, yeah, at the end of all of this, after everything that I think about, I've really, I'm just like, man, we need to, I need to do, I need to do more work in sharing my faith in a way that is attractive and enticing, that, that like creates curiosity and interest in the way I live my life. So that there are going to be less people in heaven that are going to be 
a little bit sad when they realize that their loved ones aren't with them. Like that desire to seek the lost. Yeah, I feel like that's been revived in me. And then just, I'm just like, oh, oh, like my heart is so like, I just want to do digital ministry, like to such a greater capacity, like to the point where I'm like, you know what, like I don't even want to be theological. I just, I just want to spread the gospel. I I just want to be used to be able to invite people into the experience of the gospel and then just watch the Holy Spirit do the rest. Um, Watch the heart soften. But anyway, that's just got nothing to do with much. But yeah, I definitely want, I definitely want to share my faith with more people in a greater capacity in the light of having to accept the reality that, you know what, my family aren't third generation faithful Christians, read their Bibles, pray every day, and they grow, grow, grow. Like, oh, in the light of that, I'm like, let's tell more people about Jesus and let's tell people about Jesus in a way that will draw them to Jesus. Not in a way like, guys, not in a way that we're bringing people in to help build momentum about the conspiracy theories and the Illuminati and the Freemasons. Although, don't get me wrong, I totally get that there's a space for that. But I'm like, you know what? I want to be able to be used by God to bring people to just be fascinated in the gospel, to be intrigued at the character of God and his goodness and grace. Don't get me wrong. I'm not all about like lovey-dovey gospel and, you know, I don't know what they call it when all you ever share is the good news. I'm all for, hey, there's a judgment coming and, you know, I'm all for, Letting people know the good and the bad that comes with accepting and rejecting salvation. But I am convinced that we have a greater appeal if we draw people to a God that loves them, that values them, that desires to be with them, not just in this life, but eternity. Like, honestly, I just feel I'm like in a perishing world that is seeking to be loved, to be valued, to be appreciated, to be seen, to be recognized. I'm like, let's do that. Because I honestly believe Like we can try and throw condemnation down all we want and like put the bar up and call people to holiness. We can do all that. I get it. And there's a place for that. Don't get me wrong. But I also believe that there's more of a danger in calling people to live a righteous life and miss salvation 
than there is of calling people to a God that loves them. And I don't think you're going to miss salvation if you do that. You might get some Christians who are like a little bit loose and kind of live however they want and whatever. But I also trust that as as long as you've got the relationship established with the correct theology, which is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting love, everlasting life. For God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus may be saved. I'm like, that's the full gospel. Like, don't sit in condemnation. Don't prioritize you feeling like a sinner and feeling like you've got to change your life and you just got to stop doing this and you got to stop doing that. Do not emphasize that as the, the importance of the gospel. God was moved by love to do all that he can to save you. First step. And what's he saving you from? From the bondage of sin. He's saving you from your own ideas of what salvation looks like and what righteousness looks like and what holiness looks like and what being a Christian looks like. Like he's saving you from all the deceptions (coughs) that come from a carnal heart. Yeah, there's less room for error if we draw people to Christ than there is if we draw people to a life of doing what is right. There's a lot of people that do what is right, but they have their relationship with God. I've seen it in my extremely committed um, experience of Adventism. I have seen where there's a lot of people that do a lot of right things, but do they have the fruit of the Spirit? Did I have the fruit of the Spirit? Yeah, no, didn't. Um, So, the pain and the grief of considering the possibility that my family may not be saved has convicted me that one, however I portray my faith, let it be in a way that draws people closer. Um, Let them see Jesus in me. And then secondly... I'm like, we need to tell more people about salvation so that there are less people who are making a decision to opt out of heaven, to opt out of salvation, to opt out of a relationship with God in this life and in the life to come. Let's do the work that families are praying for us to do for their lost loved ones. Like... I'm at a place where I'm like, you know what, God, if I did like such a bad job with my family, I pray that you please send other people to do a better job. And that's a painful, painful truth to accept. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, you know what, Catalina, I didn't intentionally go out of my way to make my family hate my faith or hate my religion or hate God or hate Jesus. Like that was never my intention. That was never my motivation. And so I get comfort in that. I know that God is gracious that way. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, yeah.
I wish I wish I could say, hey, you know what? I wish my family could say, Catalina, like, your faith in God and the life that you have lived compelled me to follow your God. But let's take this out of my hands and be like, you know what, but it's okay as long as someone, as long as someone reaches them in a level that I may never be able to reach them, I have peace. Yeah. All right, fam. I'm going to conclude on that. Wow, that was that was a quick 28 minutes. I looked at the recording at like 11 minutes and I was like, oh, wow, I think I'm done with what I needed to say. And then we got all deep and meaningful because we're just tight BFFs like that. Where I can um, just share, oh, sorry, that was my watch. Where I can just share my heart with you because we've been besties for so long. Yeah. I can't help but admit that I'm, yeah, I may be sad for a little bit as I'm making my way to heaven. But there is still time to prayer and there is still time for God to intervene. While there is life, there is hope. So let's hold on to that. All right. There's my prayer and my, what is it? My prayer and my desire. That you stay warm in God's love. That you stay cool for Jesus' name. And may the Holy Spirit continue to convict you to pray for your loved ones, to pray for those that don't know about Jesus. And maybe for those who do know and have chosen to, Harden their hearts and not accept like the beautiful promises that God has given us. And may we be like faithful servants who have depicted the beauty of God's character in our lives and in the way that we've interacted with our family and our loved ones. And if not, let's trust that God will send someone else. All right. See you later. We'll chat next week. Okay, ciao for now.